Folks, I want to remind you again about our friends over at Canopy and their line of CBD products. I used to wake up several times during the night, which made it hard to get out of bed in the morning and left me really feeling less than myself all day. But I can tell you from personal experience, my sleep has dramatically improved since I started using Canopy Nighttime Blend. Now I sleep straight through the night and wake up refreshed every morning. If sleep isn't your issue, they have a variety of products that can help you out. If you struggle with muscle aches after a workout or a day out on the golf course, if you have first tee jitters or your knees lock up in your backswing, check out TryCanaby.com. That's T-R-Y-K-N-I-B-I.com and look at their selection of tictures, creams, and gummies that can give you the edge after you exercise or while you're out on the golf course. And really, just make all of your days better. Their hemp is 100% grown in the U.S. and you know we love that. And when you choose Canopy, you are choosing prized harvest, expert extractions, and precision manufacturing with zero artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So if you need help sleeping through the night like me, relief from muscle aches, or the pressure of a busy day, give Canopy a try. Again, that's trycanopy, T-R-Y-K-N-I-B-I dot com. And if you use coupon code TNT, you're going to get 20% off your first order. Again, trycanopy.com. You're going to be glad you did. Thursday Night Tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened to you tonight. Okay, now joining us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former Vikings fullback turned great actor Ed Marinero. Let me give you some background on Ed. He's from New York City. Played his college ball at Cornell, where he set over 16 NCAA records and finished second in the Heisman Trophy balloting in 1971. He was named first team All Ivy League each year from 1969 to 1971, and he was the first running back in college football history to rush for over 4,000 yards in his college career. He actually finished with 4,715 over his three college seasons. In 1971, he won the Triple Crown by leading the nation in rushing yards with 1,881. He also led the nation in scoring with 24 touchdowns and 184 points, and in all-purpose yards as well. He rushed for 200 yards in a game five times in 71, and he did it 10 times over the course of his college career. All three seasons, he averaged better than five yards per carry and 175 rushing yards per game. Of the top 10 single-game highs for rushing yards in a game in Cornell history, Ed has six of them. The bottom line is he was so good that 50 years later, he still holds just about every rushing and scoring record in Cornell history, and he remains the Ivy League's all-time leading rusher. He was inducted into Cornell's Athletics Hall of Fame in 1978 and the College Football Hall of Fame in 1991. He was a second-round draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings in 1972, and he played in the league from 72 to 1977 for the Vikings, Jets, and Seahawks. Following his NFL days, he became a fantastic actor. We all remember the great job he did as Officer Joe Coffey on Hill Street Blues. Last fall, you probably saw him in A Unicorn for Christmas and The Many Saints of Newark. And we're excited he is with us tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Ed, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, good to be here. Thank you. Sorry I'm a little late uh, making dinner here. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Ed, I want to start by going back uh, just to the early days for when you fell in love with the game of football and who were some of your idols growing up? 
Well, you know, I grew up just, I was born in New York City, and I moved to uh, right across the George Washington Bridge to New Jersey, which is where I went to all my uh, my schooling, all my high school, grammar school, high school, and um, grew up being a fan of the New York Giants. And uh, first pro football game I ever went to was 1960 uh, with the New York Titans in the polo grounds. They played the Houston Oilers. and Billy Cannon was a rookie for the Houston Oilers. I don't know if you guys remember him, but he was a Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU, great player, had a really uh, great career with the uh, Oakland Raiders as a tight end. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, I was a Giant fan, and I grew up uh, rooting for Y.A. Tittle and uh, Del Schaffner and Roosevelt Brown and those great giant teams, Frank Gifford, uh, Andy Robustelli. Uh, and I guess that's, uh, kind of where I, you know, like most kids that era, like I, uh, you know, I just, uh, always dreamt about being a, a football player. So that was my, uh, my introduction. So Ed, what or who enticed you to go play your college football up in Ithaca for, uh, for Cornell? Well, um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I still can't explain. I, I probably had 30 or 40 scholarships to play football and I had basketball scholarships, but there was some sort of an allure uh, for me to play in the Ivy League. I, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I just thought that that uh, I knew at that point that you know that kind of meant something. You know, I, I don't know if I had uh, that much confidence as a as an athlete to think that you know, uh, you know I wasn't gonna. Never thought about playing in the NFL at that point. I just thought about playing college football, and you know, I knew I knew what I knew about the prestige of being uh, you know being an Ivy Leaguer, and. I was lucky enough to get into Cornell, and it was probably one of the the defining moments in my life. It was a you know a, a great experience. Got to play on a really good team, and have close relationships with all my teammates. A lot, most of my teammates from the time I was there. So uh, you know, and then my son, who's a freshman now at Cornell, he's sort of Hopefully he'll follow in my footsteps, but you know he's a legacy, and I'm very proud of that. And it's uh, Cornell was part of the uh, Marinero uh, lore, if you will. And Ed, you you played in 27 college football games, and in game number 24, you rushed for 272 yards against Columbia. You break the NCAA all-time career rushing record. Tell us what you remember about that day and uh, when you broke the record. Well, uh, it was funny. I, uh, the week before, I believe we played Yale. Um, and I, I had a pretty good game. I don't know how many yards. I think I went over 200, but I, I kind of got a little banged up toward the end of the game. And, uh, I was seven yards short of the, the record, the NCAA record. So it, it, you would think it was by design that you could, you know, be that short and have a whole week to kind of have people 
you know, coming up to Ithaca and, you know, wanting to talk to me and, you know, knowing I was just seven yards shy. Uh, so the, the week before it was kind of a, a lot of, go, lots, a lot of stuff going on, um, as far as the, uh, the anticipation of my breaking the record. So it's probably the week before I remember most. I think I broke the record on my second or third carry. And, uh, it was, it was pretty exciting. You know, the Ivy League, you know, it, it's, it's the Ivy League. And, but we, we kind of had a packed stadium at Showcall Field that day, which was really exciting. I mean, people were, uh, very enthusiastic about the, the whole university was excited about, you know, the attention, the national attention that they were getting. And I was, uh, really proud to be, uh, you know, the, the person that was uh, creating that kind of Five questions for Ed. That's great to speak with you, Ed. Uh, you know, I have some great memories, you know, growing up right near Yale and, uh, you know, watching you as a kid in grammar school, you know, it was big. When I, Ed Marinero came to town, I was like, you know, it was like a pro coming. And, um, you know, I still <laughs> go to the Yale Bowl. I mean, the last 25 years as a media member, Ed, but I've been going there since a kid. Uh, do you have any special memories of coming up to New Haven? Well, I'm going to give you a little trivia question uh, uh, that you can, I don't know, use one day. There were only four people who played pro ball and college ball at the Yale Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I was one of them when when the uh, the Giants, couldn't play at Yankee Stadium and they used the Yale Bowl. I played the Giants when I was with the Vikings. We played at the Yale Bowl. So there weren't many guys who played college ball and pro ball in the Yale Bowl. Um, that's probably what I remember most. That is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, we had mentioned, Ed, your, uh, your 71 season, which was an amazing and, you know, your, your Heisman chase and, I read that you almost almost averaged forty yards, forty carries per yard for game. That which, to, when you look back, you know I'm sure back then you know you want to get fed the ball, you want the rock and everything. But years later, do you look back and say, "Whoa"? You know what? You know it's, it's the game is so uh, obviously it's changed so much um, since then, and 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 you know you look at college now, you look at the pros. You know the running backs. You know they they don't play the whole game. You know they they guys go in, they play three plays, and then they send somebody else. Very situational. Uh, very few players, running backs, they play every play, um, which is uh, you know kind of interesting. And, and they, you know, even the 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 guy from uh, the 49ers, Samuels. Uh, what is it? Dabo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Yep. Yeah, Debo. He, I was just reading about him, and they they were talking about they they he's a non-position guy, which I've never heard that expression before. But you know, I think this guy is going to sort of revolutionize the, that uh, you know maybe the game. There, you know, if if you have a guy like him who can run, catch. You know, you got to get him the ball as much as you can, and it, you know sometimes it's easier to hand it off to him, put him in the backfield. And there are plenty of guys in the league who 
you know, could move around like that. Um, so it, it'll be interesting moving forward if, if he's sort of redefined, you know, that, that whole kind of position or, if you will, or offensive threat. We could play anywhere. I mean, as a running back, the guy's a big guy. He's as big as a running back. Why not put him in the backfield and just pitch him the ball? Um, and there's a lot of players. I, I, the guy I can think of is uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks guy, C.K. Uh, Metcalf. I mean, this guy could play any position. And uh, you know, putting him out on uh, out, out wide and just the only time he touches the ball, if he could throw it to him, it's kind of a waste when you have a talent like that. My my point is I I don't think today anybody plays the whole game, uh, you know they they they, they rotate running backs you know they like I said they'll play two or three plays they bring somebody else in, and um, you know I, I I don't know why but maybe just to keep them fresh. And um, want to talk about when you get drafted by the Vikings in '72. You're coming in as a rookie, and and on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage of practice as a as a young purple people leader's defense. What was it like for you trying to make a name for yourself as a running back, going to practice, trying to trying to play well against those guys? Well, um, the purple people leaders we had a pretty formidable uh, defense. Uh, fortunately, you know they we didn't do a lot of, lot of live tackling whatever it wasn't like we we had a couple of scrimmages and they they were daunting as a, as a rookie you know when you first time I walked into the locker room and these are guys that I had looked up to and admired you know as a college player and all of a sudden you're you know you're in the locker room dressing next to them it's it's uh, pretty awe-inspiring I'm sure it's you know, n- not a whole lot different today for rookies when they go to their first training camp and they're they're dressing alongside of guys they looked up to and admired and like six months earlier watching them play on television and all of a sudden you're uh, you know you're dressing next to them it's uh it's a it's mind blowing um you know I uh you know I I played with uh you know the Carl Fuller and Jim Marshall and Alan Page Fran Parkinson and you know those guys are legends and you know here's a kid coming out of Cornell University well and no matter all rookies are just you know it's very awe it's awe inspiring to be in in the locker room with guys like that and they were all great and you know I, it was a it was a thrill you know getting to play with them and you know at the time it's, it's just a kind of you know it's a very different mindset you know when you're 22 years old but you know at this point in my life I look back and see how uh you know lucky I was just to you know get to have played with those guys and the next season you guys go all the way to the Super Bowl Super Bowl 8 against the Dolphins who were the defending Super Bowl champions and I'm curious to get your perspective of what the Super Bowl was like back in Super Bowl eight versus the spectacle that we have for the Super Bowl now? Well, uh, you know, I played in back-to-back Super Bowls. Played in Super Bowl eight, that was against the Dolphins, and played in Super Bowl nine uh, against the Steelers. We played at uh, Tulane Stadium. And um, I guess the best way, best 
way to describe, you know, the difference was that the halftime show was the uh, Tulane marching band. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's quite a bit, you know, uh, different than Snoop Dogg and Janet Jackson uh, <laughs> that they have today. So, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was still, it obviously wasn't the game it is today, you know, the, the, all the pregame hype was, you know, what it is today. Um, certainly the money <laughs> was it, what it is today. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was, a, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was, it was some extra dough in our pockets just getting to play there. And most of us weren't making that much money. So even though we didn't make, a ton of money. It was it was significant to get to the Super Bowl. Um, so um, yeah, it was uh, it was great. I think you know the the best you know the the, the game the, the the conference championship game is you know losing that game is worse than losing the Super Bowl um, because you just get that close and you, you don't you know you at least I can spend the rest of my life saying I played in two Super Bowls instead of when you lose that conference game, you know, you, you have to spend the rest of your life telling people you almost played in the Super Bowl. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a thrill, you know, but it was a long time ago. So, you know, my memory is, is, uh, you know, I don't, when it was just, um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was cool, I'm sure, but it wasn't you know again it wasn't like the uh, the, the hoopla surrounding the game today. You know, it was uh, we we came in and we stayed in a hotel, you know, far away from Miami and New Orleans because Bud Grant didn't want us being distracted. It was it was almost like a just another game for us. But uh, I got a, I got two rings, which is is nice you know one day when i'm down and out i can sell one of them so. <laughs> and you got the opportunity to go back to new york to play for the jets in 1976 and you had two of the best games of your career that year against the 49ers and and at home against the bills to come home and, and get the ball 31 times rush for 119 yards and a touchdown and be in the same backfield with joe namath and, and richard todd what was that like for you? Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, 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 playing for the Vikings was a great experience. I mean, I played for a great coach, Bud Grant, Hall of Fame coach. We were a great team. Um, and, you know, I just, uh, you know, being a, a, like a New York guy, it was, it was sort of a dream come true to get to play in New York city. And, you know, I became, a, I was a free agent and it was a interesting time in the NFL. I was part of a group of free agents, the, the, the Roselle rule, which uh, made it uh, almost impossible for pe people to, to go from one team to another was declared unconstitutional in 1975. So I was one of about five or six players who really were the first true free agents in the NFL history. John Riggins was one of them. He left the uh, 
Jets and went to the Redskins. And I think Calvin Hill left the Cowboys, went to the Cleveland Browns, and I was able to leave the Vikings and sign with the Jets. And there was no compensation that the, uh, the, the, the Jets had to give up. I was true free agent. So that allowed that to happen for me. And, you know, going to the Jets was, uh, you know, just, uh, at that point in my career was, uh, it was just exciting. It was exciting to be back and, you know, being able to play in front of my, my family and my friends and certainly playing with Joe Willie Namath was, uh, a thrill. I got to play with, uh, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in my career and I caught passes from them and took handoffs from them. And, you know, that's something that I'll, always remember but you know being being in living in new york city was a whole different experience you know living in you know minneapolis was a great town but you know I, I was in new yorker so i was i was pretty much at home moving back there and uh i my guy unfortunately i got hurt uh, that year after i had those two good games i i I had a foot injury on Monday Night Football against the Patriots the following week. So, Mike, that was pretty much the end of my career. I, I hung on a little bit longer, got one more year in, but I was never the same. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I kind of have no no real regrets about that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, it, you know, that my career went the way it did. It sort of, if I hadn't gotten hurt, I don't know how long I would have played. I, I, you know, I've never been hurt before, either in college or, or the pros. So it was sort of a, you know, an aberration to be, you know, for me to be injured and pretty much have it end my career, which it did. But it sort of got me into another area of my life earlier than uh, I might have had I not got hurt. I, I was probably the kind of player I probably could have played ten years easily. And, um, you know, had I played that long, I'm not sure I would have, uh, gone to Hollywood. You know, I would have probably gotten a real job. So, uh, you know, everything worked out well for me. Bob, one more for Ed before we let him go. Yeah, sure. Ed, uh, Chris had mentioned your accomplished acting career and all of us enjoyed it back in the day also. But, uh, tell us, tell our viewers and listeners that how, um, when did you first get the acting bug and, uh, how did you first get your foot in the door? Uh, well, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I was, um, I became friends with Joe Namath back. Actually, I met Joe the first time I met Joe. I was a senior in college, and you know, he's just a, a terrific guy. Still a good friend. You know, I still talk to him. I'm gonna going down to Florida in March to play a little golf, and I'm gonna have dinner with him. Um, you know, we're just hanging around with him. I saw, you know, I met people out in Hollywood and, uh, they encouraged me to kind of give a, take, take a shot at this whole Hollywood stuff. You know, um, I was a good looking stud back then. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I had some opportunities and when my career was over, you know, I really, I was 28 years old when my, you know, the, the last team I played for, and I just said, let's uh, give it a shot. I moved to Hollywood, and I just became a full-time actor. I did what, you know, what 
most actors do. I got into acting class. I studied. I, you know, when I auditioned for roles and, you know, it took, um, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but, you know, I got some pretty good breaks relatively early in my career. The biggest one was Hill Street Blues. Um, back, uh, I'd been out there for two years and I, you know, I got a shot at Hill Street and you know, I ended up doing six years on the show, which was great and sort of jump started my career being, um, relatively new in Hollywood by getting to work on a show that was so critically acclaimed and, you know, great actors and great writing and great directors. It, it, uh, you know, it was a great, place to to kind of learn and learn quickly and learn from really really good people just being around them and it probably kind of elevated my uh stature in hollywood um quicker than could have ever hoped for just being associated with such a quality show um and being so new in the business you know i i probably people thought i was better than i really was but um yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And, you know, I'm fortunate. I've been doing it for 45 years. I'm still doing it, you know, still work now and again. As long as it doesn't interfere with my, my golf schedule. I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 it's still, it's still fun. You know, I still, you know, I, I've done a couple of movies in the last year or so and, um, Fortunately, I can, I don't have to, I don't have to work. I, it's something that, uh, you know, that can excite me a little bit. I'll, I'll do it. But it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been, it's been a great ride. You know, and the, the good thing about acting is that you don't, you know, people ask me if I retired from acting and, you know, actors, they don't retire. They either can't remember their lines anymore or they die. So as long as I'm, uh, you know, I can still remember my lines and I'm breathing, you know, I can still act. So that's that's kind of a reassuring. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to really retire. Ed, before we let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media? Uh, you know what? I'm not a real. Uh, I I don't really do a lot of social media. You know, I I'm like a. You know, I'm an organic type of guy. <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll, I like that. you'll, 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 uh, if it's worth knowing, you'll find out. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, if I'm going to be in a movie, I probably, I'll post it on Instagram or, or whatever. If I'm doing something that is of mild interest to anybody, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post it, but, um, you know, I'm kind of, uh, low keyed person you know i don't uh <laughs> i mind my own business <laughs> well and we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come and be a part of the show we hope you'll come back and do it again sometime absolutely thanks for uh, inviting me and uh be safe and uh go big red <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much Ed. take care and oh, all okay. the best take to you care. and your family thank you bye-bye that is the great Ed Marinero. We've got our next guest, Blaine Bishop, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Blaine right on the other side of this real quick station break. 